Alright, 28. Is there, are we on 28? 28, senor. 28. I think that's 28 in Spanish, I don't know. It is. I learned enough to pass high school Spanish. Actually, no, college Spanish. Welcome to the Beards and Bible Podcast, a podcast that brings together a love for good beer and Bible discussion. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. In the words of the reformer Martin Luther, whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus, let us drink beer. So let's join our hosts, Rick and Patrick, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 28 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Patrick. And I am your other host, Rick. And we're happy to be back with you. Yes, and it is evening, so we can say tonight yes, and not feel bad tonight. about it. <laughs> it was kind of funny recording like in the middle of the day the other day because we're so used to recording at night. Yeah, it was funny is a way to put it, yes. <laughs> Just different. Yes, it was. So, so how's your week been, man? I mean, you mean since the other day when we recorded? <laughs> since like two days ago when <laughs> we recorded. Our people don't know. Listeners don't know when we record, so it's been good so far. Not too crazy. Uh... That's good. Family's good. Work's going good. So, how about you? Man, about the same. We've been crazy busy at work, seems like. Tax season always does uh, does wonders for businesses sometimes. Yeah. And uh, and we're one of those places. So, so uh, hey, all right. Have you ever heard of Mardi Gras? Have I heard of Mardi Gras? Yeah. Did you be surprised? There's people that I've met that have never heard of Mardi Gras. Well, you realize where my family is originally from. True. True story. So anyway, oh, well, I that. go ahead. <laughs> Tell me your story about Mardi Gras. So, so it was Mardi Gras day today, and and uh, yeah. it was completely Fat Tuesday. Dead. Fat, Fat Tuesday. Tuesday. Yes, it was Fat Tuesday, and oh, completely dead. Maybe that would maybe that's why we were slow too. Could have been. Fat Tuesday affects a lot of people. I know this. If you're in New Orleans, you basically shut down. Yeah. Because New Orleans, the city of New Orleans, shuts down for Mardi Gras. I believe like, it. Businesses don't do anything. It's Listen, crazy. Mardi Gras is to New Orleans what the coronavirus is to China. Yes. It shuts it down and nothing goes in and out. Dude, coronavirus is in Iran now. Mm. Yeah, like one of the chief medical guys in Iran I saw had, had coronavirus. That is unfortunate for I'm Iran. i talk about the implications of that. <laughs> Could be fun. All right, so tonight, anyway, what are we doing tonight? <laughs> We're going to do what we do every night, Pinky. We're going to drink beer and take <laughs> over the world. <laughs> I love that show. Can't Pinky wait. in the brain. It's Great awesome. Show. <laughs> okay, so tonight we're going to drink uh, some beer and then... Ufa. So we have two different beers tonight. Yeah, we do. Um, so due to our different locations now, we will not be able to get the same exact beer every week. Fortunately, uh, I was able to try to get as close to what you had as possible. So why don't yes. you uh, share what you got? So I have, mine is actually from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So little, hey. little tip of the hat to Mardi Gras. Hey. Even though the city of, I think it's the city of Mobile, Alabama claims the original state. So I was in New Orleans one year. This is going to go back to a Mardi Gras story. I was in New Orleans one year um, during Mardi Gras and the city of Mobile had taken out a billboard in the city of New Orleans and said, Dear New Orleans, we had it first. Love, Mobile, Alabama. That is like, amazing. That's savage. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. So, Not gonna lie. Props to you, Mobile, Alabama, for that sign that I saw one time. Um, but, but yeah, so this one's from Baton Rouge. This is the Voodoo American Pale Ale from Tin Roof Brewing. Um, it has an ABV. The website says 5%. The can says 52 so maybe my can is a little bit stronger than than what they say it is, um, but this is this is a hazy American pale ale. 
It has an IBU of 20. It's a light color. Um, they use pale barley, Vienna, and flaked wheat. And uh, they use Citra, Bravo, and Simcoe hops in it. Hmm. And I'm pretty excited about this one. I, uh, I bought it because the can had a skull on it, and it looked kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I mean, it said voodoo, and that's the reason I bought it. And uh, now, we, now we're going to try it and see what, see what we got. What do you have for tonight? So I, interestingly enough, also have a voodoo-named beer. Um, I have the Voodoo Ranger American Haze from the New Belgium Brewing Company. Um, they are out of Asheville, North Carolina. Yes. They also, um, originated in Fort Collins, Colorado. So, if that matters to anybody. Yes. Um, so on our, my can, I've got like a hippie skeleton guy with a guitar on his back. Like, he looks like a motor, like that standard motorcycle hippie guy. Yes. With like the jean jacket and the American flag bandana. And, um, so that's a cool can. Um, nice. It's got, like, stitching around the top. That's kind of cool. I hadn't really noticed that before. I don't know what that's supposed to be. Um, Its ABV is 5%. It's got 30 IBUs. And it is also a um, passion fruit citrusy IPA. Um, So we have similar beers. Yeah, very similar. It's two two different breweries. We have similar, very similar beers. Probably the same... Vein. And I've looked in, I've you know, out of my own curiosity, I've looked into, excuse me, what it would take to make my own beer, just for the heck of it, you know, and uh, coming up with like a, a completely different recipe and completely different flavors would be kind of challenging. So yes, because people um, have done so much stuff with beer. Yeah. So I mean, we had a peanut butter jelly sandwich beer. So it's just still amazing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've been looking so hard for that one. I got, I found one that's that was a peanut butter porter, and the can looked like a can of a jar of peanut butter. Nice, like it was like peanut butter colored with a red cap at the top, like like a can of Jif. Jif, yeah, yes, but no jelly. And I was like, I can't do it. Um, so yeah, I think coming up with unique flavors would be the hardest thing. Would be would be the hardest thing about making my own beer. Mm -hmm. So. It's kind of funny that we ended up with very similar beers. Yeah, very similar. So I'm ready to crack these things yeah. open, man. Let's do it. Here we go. One, two, three. Mm. Smells like every IPA I've ever had. This, yeah, this smell. This smells. Was uh, your an IPA or an APA? It's an APA. So I don't know the difference between an American pale ale and an India pale ale. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not sure there is one. I mean, I guess a pale ale is a pale ale. This thing is definitely hazy, though. Like, they call it a hazy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can see this. But you can't. I mean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, mine looks, like I mean, looks like a can of orange juice. <laughs> look at mine. Mine's very similar. Yeah, it is. Mine's also a hazy, uh, hazy IPA. So hazy IPA. I mean, this this looks like a can, a glass of orange juice right now. Not mm-hmm. gonna lie. <laughs> but I mean, initial smell is very citrusy and very IPA. At least yes. for mine, like I can't speak for mine you. is too. Mine is mine actually smells. I know I keep saying this, and I keep going back to it because it's the first one we did. But the flesh and blood, mm-hmm. like mine, smells like the flesh and blood. Yeah, I'm in the I'm in the same boat. I think on my end. So. Um, let's turn these things up. Let's do it. And see how good they are. Here's to the, uh, Tin Roof Voodoo. Or in, on the New Belgium. New Belgium American Haze Voodoo Ranger. Voodoo. Yeah. Okay. This one is a little bit surprising. The tin roof is going to be a little surprising for me. I was expecting another um, flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. And it does, it's very similar. Okay. But I, but I feel like this one is 
a better version of the flesh and blood. Okay. Like it's I, I don't know. I guess it's it's more. This is gonna sound really weird, but it tastes more like a juice than it does a beer. Yeah. Okay. You know what? I'm I'm having a similar experience with, <laughs> on mine, and I couldn't put my finger like I couldn't put words to what I was experiencing. Yeah. Like I said, it looks like orange juice, and maybe that's what psyched me out. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, uh, have you, all right, so this is, uh, again, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get words here. Have you ever, like, picked up a glass of orange juice that maybe sat out for a little bit too long and it has that, that, like, tart flavor? Yeah. That's what this tastes like. Huh. You know, like, it, like your orange juice fermented just a little bit. <laughs> I guess sit out for, like, a week. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't hate it. It's, I like it. It's pretty mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Um, but it's not it's not what I was expecting. What about yeah. yours? Mine is I don't know if it's the citrus or if it's the I mean, it can't be the IPA. I like IPA. It's not too bitter. Mm-hmm. Um it's a lot smoother than an, any IPA we've had that either of us have had so far. Yeah. Um the flavor is just meh. meh. It's kind of a meh flavor yeah it's not bad i mean i'll i'll it's just not it's just it's it's normal yeah you're not upset that you have five more of these left but you also probably may not go out and buy five more right i'm definitely not gonna i'm not gonna buy this one before i buy some of the others that we've had so far yeah yep if we're if, if i'm being honest yeah, that's in, and that's where that's where I am. So, so I'm gonna go ahead. I'll rate mine. Um, the Tenere Voodoo. I'm gonna give this three and a half Luthers, and, mm-hmm. and you probably saw this coming from a mile away. Mm-hmm. Um, because the Flesh and Blood got three and a half. Um, pretty much anything in the IPA range, I typically give around a three and a half. Mm-hmm. This one is good. If it were there, uh, and there were nothing else, I wouldn't mind drinking it. Mm-hmm. Um. But but it's just it's not anything that I can ride home about and be like, man, that was really really good. I'm gonna go back and buy that. So I'm gonna come in at three and a half on mine. Yeah, I'm gonna be in the same boat. Uh, my American Haze Voodoo Ranger is also gonna get three and a half out of five Luthers. It's in that good not great range for me. Um, it's a it's mine is also very similar to the Flesh and Blood, um, and I don't know if that's because we've started branching out into other breweries and we're starting to sample things that we've already had. We've already tasted those flavors and other beer. I don't know. Um, but it's good. It's, it's smooth. It's not too bitter. It's, it's flavor is, it's just kind of bland to me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And yeah, this it, one's, this uh, one's not anything different. Yeah, I was expecting a little more citrusy flavor, a little more, uh, I mean, when you say, like, on the, the can or the website says with notes of passion fruit, and I don't I don't think I've ever had a passion fruit, so I can't really, but I, I expect, I have an expectation of what, like, a f- flavor should be, and I, it's yeah. just not meeting that expectation, so, yeah. I don't yeah, know. Maybe, I'm with you. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe passion fruit tastes like bland beer. I don't know. <laughs> hey, if you like the New Belgium Voodoo Ranger or the Tin Roof Voodoo beer, we don't hate you. We we yeah. love you. And those know. those breweries. I mean, we're gonna follow you on Instagram and like all your stuff so that you maybe advertise for us and send us beer. But um, <laughs> shameless plug. Yeah, I mean. Remember the the rating is on a scale of one to five. Three and three, anything less than three, we'll pro- we're probably not drinking ever again. Mm-hmm. In the three to four range, it's it's good, not great beer. beer. Four and four above, and up. four and up, and especially five. The handful that have gotten five to this point are phenomenal beers, and and I don't think there's anything ranked four or higher that we would say we're not going to drink again. Oh, no, no. I would go buy any of our four and up beers tomorrow. 
And there's some in the in some in the three and a half range that we I would also go. You know, if I was feeling flesh and blood or feeling a mm-hmm. American haze, whatever, I'd go get them. But and it's just our preference for for how we're rating these anyway. So these two bozos who don't know <laughs> a lot about beer. <laughs> I've learned more about beer in the last seven months than I have in the last 15 years. So I have not been drinking beer as long as a, as a younger person. <laughs> Try not to give away too much about like my age or, or anything like that. But I've only been drinking beer probably for about four, four or five years, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely wasn't, I didn't drink a lot in college. Um, I, I just wasn't part of that scene. wasn't really interested. I also was a little bit of a like Bible thumper, <laughs> like if you drink, you're going to hell kind of thing. So, <laughs> oh, the fundy days. Yeah, I, I do not. I don't. I don't feel that way now. Obviously, that's <laughs> we drink beer and talk about the Bible. <laughs> but you know, I've only been drinking for four or five years, so my expectation my experience my expectation and experience with beer is a little limited comparatively <laughs> to someone like yourself who's been drinking for hey a lot my longer. experience with beer was was very limited up until I started this podcast too and I have been drinking a little bit longer uh, not that I drank in college but uh, actually I did drink in college but I didn't drink cause at least 21 and uh, you know that's but I, I kind of I stuck with what I knew from the beginning and didn't really branch out, you know, a lot from that. I would, I would occasionally get something, something different, but it was always mainstream. It was always major, one of the major breweries. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's, it probably hasn't been to the last two or three years that I've started drinking outside of the major breweries. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I've. I mean, really, up until we started doing this podcast, I was not drinking anything local, any, any craft <laughs> beers. I wasn't drinking a lot of IPAs or porters or ales in general. Yeah. I mean, we've kind of talked about what, what my... I was drinking Budweiser, occasionally Yingling, um, and like... Angry Orchard or Red. Like, the, 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 that was what I was drinking. I was like, oh, man. Occasionally would have whiskey in the cabinet. Dude, one of my favorite things to do now is if I go to a restaurant and they brew their own beer in-house, I always have one. And, that, like, I'm, I get excited when it's like, when I'm like, hey, what do you have on tap? They're like, well, we have only the stuff that we brew in the restaurant. And there's a few around me that, that do that. Like, they don't, they don't carry anything other than what they brew in-house. Mm-hmm. Man, you always end up getting something really good, and you're like, I wish I could take this home with me, but you can't because they only make it in house. <laughs> I'll have to keep my eye out for stuff like that around here. Yeah, there's a there's a few places around typically that will that will do that. Mm-hmm. It's like a because you have like your craft breweries, which are you know they're they're trying to sell their stuff, and then you have I think they call them like micro breweries. Okay, yeah, yeah, I've heard which that. are typically like a restaurant, and they only brew it in house. They don't really branch out and have sales departments and all that. Mm-hmm. They just they just brew it and sell it right there at their at their one place. So, but there you go. There's uh there's some discussion on two different voodoo beers, one from New Belgium and one from uh, Tin Roof in uh, where was New Belgium, Asheville, North Carolina, Asheville. and then Tin Roof was from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So, good stuff there, and uh, we are going to. Dun, 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 dun. We are going to finish part two of Packers Concise Theology tonight. Hey, look, we're halfway through the parts. We're over halfway through the book. But True. I think there's four parts in the book. And yes. I think part three is like the longest part. Part four is really short though. Yeah. If I remember right. Part four is pretty short. Yeah. So I think part I think part three is as long as one and two combined. Yes. So is, we won't be yikes. here a while. Yikes. <laughs> But anyway, anyway. It's, starting to get, it's starting to get deep. So here we go. We're going to break into Packers Concise Theology right now. Welcome back. We are here. We're going to finish part two of Packers Concise Theology. Whoop, whoop. And tonight we're going to talk about two pretty 
fun subjects. Uh, they're actually, the two can kind of come together as one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two subjects are sacrifice and definite redemption. Definite mm-hmm. redemption is a fun word. Um, if you ever lean toward a Calvinistic understanding of your soteriology, then you understand definite redemption to be the other word for limited atonement. Um, and we'll get to that here in a second. But first, we're going to talk about sacrifice. And sacrifice is the death of Jesus Christ on the cross as the penalty for the remission of sins. Pays for the penalty. Yes. The death yes. Is, he I fulfills mean, the penalty. The way you worded it was weird, but I, I see what you're oh, okay. meaning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so he he takes the place of us, mm-hmm. and and if you think of the so, Packer defines the word atonement as making amends, blotting out the offense, and giving satisfaction for a wrong done, thus reconciling one uh, to oneself, the alienated other, and restoring the disrupted relationship. Mm-hmm. So, the atonement is the single act that restores relationship between God and man. Mm-hmm. That is what the atonement does. And so right. the atonement is a really, really important subject for the church. Yeah. And it's something that should be taught in churches a lot of time. And, and sadly, to, to many people's discredit, to many pastors' discredit, it's not taught. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, why, and so, why do you think that is, though? Because it's hard. Because it's it's not easy. And, and I mean, I can tell you the pastor, and, and it's, now, I, I don't want to sound like I'm bashing on, on pastors here because because I understand that a pastor's job is incredibly hard. I understand mm-hmm. that. Um, you have to deal with Miss Bessie going to the hospital and, and this guy breaking his leg and this guy thinking you're not, you know, you don't work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, or Saturday. You just work on Sunday. You don't do anything else the rest of the week, so... Pastors you know, don't why, work, dude. Don't you know that? Why, why do we pay you so much money? <laughs> um, yeah, kidding. pastors, that's, that's pastors not, don't work. That's not the stance I hold. I'm just <laughs> I'm being facetious for the sake of the podcast. But that, that was sarcasm. Yeah. You didn't pick up on that. No, but, I mean, you're right. People don't realize that being a pastor is more than, especially being a, like a preaching pastor, not just like all the roles of, you know, all the, all the different departments that have past pastor pastoral leadership mm-hmm. but like being the preaching pastor at your church carries so much weight and responsibility and god has entrusted you with a flock and um it, it's hard and, and i i could i could imagine not i'm not a pastor and i don't desire to be one i, I don't feel led to led like that like god's calling me to do that um I could understand not wanting to, not that it's not about not preaching hard stuff, but stuff that could be difficult to understand, I would be weary of. Yeah. Weary of. And and so so let's think about it. Think about it this way. If you have a, a typical sermon on a Sunday, if your pastor does decent amounts of research, presents the the scripture, teaches the scripture, he probably has somewhere between 20 and 25 hours tied up in preparing that sermon for that week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, you consider that that's 20 to 25 hours, and then on Sunday, sometimes, and especially in small churches, the pastor is the first person there. He's the last person to leave. So on any given Sunday, he's there for five hours. Mm-hmm. So between just sermon preparation and Sunday morning. That doesn't count Sunday night, and that doesn't count Wednesday night activities. Mm-hmm. He has 30 hours tied up in his week. Right. So, you know, the next time you think your pastor doesn't work, just go thank him for what he does for you. Exactly. Church and support your pastor and love him. But anyway, uh, we're going to get back to the atonement. And and, uh, and and pastors, I would encourage you, you know, don't be afraid to to step away from or to step towards these these harder doctrines. Don't be afraid to... To say something, you don't have to be right about everything. It's okay to say you don't know, because the doctrine of the atonement is a really difficult doctrine, mm-hmm. and and it has been a difficult doctrine from the beginning of church history. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's been debated in church history a, a lot of time. 
So, so you know, don't think that, that you're stepping into something and creating something new. No, man. Just get in there and be faithful to the Scripture. Mm-hmm. Teach what the Scripture says and and, uh, and go from there. Let, let God handle the rest of it. But exactly. We've, de- we've defined atonement. Mm-hmm. And so, so the question becomes, what does atonement have to do with us? Well, is this where I answer your question? You can answer it if you want to. I, I don't know if this is rhetorical or not, but I mean, I mean, all of humanity's sins, like each individual in humanity, needs to have their sins atoned for. Yes. Um, it's that is necessary if, if you want to have a relationship with God, if you want to be in right fellowship with Him. There has to be atonement for your sin, mm-hmm. and Jesus being that atonement is uh is a great thing for us so we don't have to sacrifice animals every single day or hour or minute or second or whatever like they did in the old testament yeah but also but with that like is understanding that we as humans lack the power and the resources to atone for our sins yes we're not capable of it on our own um we've offended like our sin has offended god Mm mm-hmm and God's nature is to hate sin and to punish sin. There had to be... He has to punish sin. He has to punish sin, and there had to be an object of that punishment. There had to be an object of that of his wrath upon, in regards to sin. Yes. And the object is the person of Jesus. Yes. So, we have offended our Creator, mm-hmm. and the only way to bridge that gap... Is through the person of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and his death on the cross. Mm-hmm. So that allows, that death on the cross is what bridges that gap. It's what Packer says. It restores that disrupted relationship and brings humanity back into fellowship with God. Mm-hmm. Okay. So because of this, we can have a hope. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, our our hopelessness has been trumped by the love, grace, mercy, pity, kindness, and compassion of God. Mm-hmm. Because he's the one who provided the atonement. We yeah. couldn't do anything for it. He had to provide it. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, and and you, can go, you can go through the Old Testament and look all the way through Israel. You can, you can talk about the covenant, uh, the Old Testament covenant. And, and, and Packer kind of hit on this a little bit where he talked about the death of of Christ ushering in and kind of renewing the new covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there is, I, I don't know as much about it as I should, uh, but there is a branch of theology called new covenant theology where they basically say there was the old covenant and some of them, they call it the covenant of works. And then there's the new covenant. They call it the covenant of grace. And, and it's, we're living under the covenant of grace, which is why we don't have to, sacrifice animals every day and you know go to the synagogue every day and and i mean could you imagine if you had to go spend four or five hours in the synagogue on top of going to work for eight hours every single day no i couldn't and i'm, and I'm really thankful that i don't have to do that yes um so so because of this christ's death alone is our redemption mm-hmm Okay. Yeah. And this is this is where you can draw again from the Reformation, and you can look at the sola, one of the five solas, which is solus Christus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is so the the five solas, just just in case you didn't know them, are sola fide, which is by faith alone; sola gratia, which is by grace alone; sola scriptura, which is by uh, through scripture alone; solus Christus, uh, which is through Christ alone and solely Deo Gloria, which is to the glory of God alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you say that we are saved by faith alone, or I'm sorry, we're saved by faith through grace in Christ, uh, and then and then to the to the glory of God alone. And then Scripture is our is our only authority mm-hmm. for for making that that gotcha. claim. Uh, that's where the, the kind of the five solas fit together. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what this means is that Christ's redemption is very specific, and this is where we're gonna we're gonna transition into what's called definite redemption. Now, mm-hmm. 
this is part of the reason that, that a lot of pastors don't want to talk about the atonement because you say, oh, well, do you believe in limited atonement or unlimited atonement? And pastors will immediately just say, well, I believe in unlimited atonement. It's available for everyone. Mm-hmm. And and while the while that statement morally sounds good, it's not fair, right? Okay. And and this is this is one of those things where when somebody says they believe in unlimited atonement, I say, so you're a universalist. And and that's a that's a very I will admit that that is a very logical long logical jump. Mm-hmm. You know, because if somebody says they're an unlimited, they believe in unlimited atonement. Most of the time, they're not a universalist. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what you and and this is where I began to think critically about the atonement is you have to say what did the atonement accomplish? Okay, the atonement accomplished exactly what it was supposed to accomplish, mm-hmm. which was the forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if we are to say that God is one hundred percent just and we believe in an unlimited atonement, then you have to say that the forgiveness of sins extends to the entire world, regardless of if they have accepted it, Mm -hmm. and I just did scare quotes, um, accepted it or not. Because if you believe that God is just, then he applies his atonement universally. He applies his atonement unlimitedly. I think I just made up a word. Um, and therefore, everyone has had their sins forgiven. So if everyone has had their sins forgiven, then everyone goes to heaven. That's kind of the logical flow of unlimited atonement. Yeah. Okay? So so I say, okay, you have to limit the atonement somehow. You either limit the atonement by by specifying a specific group, or you limit the atonement to say it's, it's a selected you know, people, there's a, there's some type of distinction in the atonement. Mm -hmm. So if you say, if you say that, you know, only people who accept Christ are atoned for, okay, you're putting a limitation on the atonement at that point. Right. You know, I'm totally cool with saying anyone who confesses Christ as their savior and believes in him, you know, uh, we talk about first John, uh, was it first John four, nine, you know, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that mm-hmm. God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you do that, yeah, then you are saved and you your sins are atoned for, period. Yeah. You know, and it's not like a there's not this this thing where, God, I really want you to forgive my sins and I'm and I'm and I'm changing and, and you're you know, you're doing all the things that scripture says, and then God's like, Yeah, Sorry, bro. I don't really want to atone for your sins, so yeah. maybe next, maybe next life. You know, yeah. that's not what limited atonement <clears throat> means, and a lot of times that's how limited atonement is is portrayed. Right? Is this is this mean God who just picks mm-hmm. and chooses? I, I I think of the like the atonement being was like if every single person who ever existed confessed Jesus as Lord, or if one person confessed Jesus was Lord. The atonement, like, would still be sufficient. Like, yes. the amount of grace and the amount, of, like, what Jesus did on the cross would still be sufficient. Um, yes. Like, did he? D- Jesus died for everyone who would confess him to be Lord. He, it's not that he died for all of humanity. Yes, but like you said, he. he the scripture says, whoever whoever confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Mm-hmm. So it's a not touchy subject, but kind of one of those is like, how, how do you reconcile people who have heard the gospel and don't believe or yeah, have, have, who used to live for Jesus, but now they don't. And so, so, you know, like where, where does atonement, why there, yeah. you know? So, and, and, and I always like to draw, I draw this line, and, and it may not be the right line to draw, but this is how this is how I've understood it. This is how I draw the line. So, in Romans 10, Scripture says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Okay? So you have to have somebody proclaiming the gospel um, for, for, their, for there really to be the, the repentance of sins. Now, it does, does that mean that in every single circumstance that happens, I'm not going to put that down and say this has to happen every single time. But as a general rule, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Now, you pair that in in uh, Romans, and then you, you take that over to John chapter 10, and you say, and you listen to the words of Jesus where he says, um, I'm the good shepherd. My sheep hear my my sheep hear my voice, and my sheep know my know my voice, and they come and they respond to my voice. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so if you have somebody, if you have somebody that you're sharing the gospel with, okay, you're doing your job as a believer in Christ. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing, which is sharing the gospel. But if that person just has zero interest, and there's been people that I have shared the gospel with that has had zero interest, and they have looked at me and said, man, I don't really care what you're talking about. Long line of expletives go away. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and and that's when I just say, okay, this person is obviously, at least at this point in their life, is not a sheep. You know, is, is not one of the sheep and does not hear the, the shepherd's voice. Mm-hmm. So... I, I just resolve in my heart when somebody does that, when somebody responds to me that way, I just say, man, that's great. Can I pray for you? And then I pray that that person would hear the mm-hmm. shepherd's voice. I pray that there would be a time when they would, you know, I don't know if they ever do. I don't know if they will, but, but that's, that's really, that's just where I have to leave that. And I have to trust God to be sovereign and all that, because mm-hmm. here's the, re- here's the reality of the atonement. If the atonement was objectively meant to be universal or to be unlimited, then every single person would be saved because God would have to objectively complete the unlimited atonement. Mm-hmm. Okay, so every person would be saved. Versus, if the if the atonement was objectively meant for a specific group of people that God only knows about, mm-hmm. and it's God's job and it's God's prerogative to bring those people to faith through a means of hearing the gospel preaching, uh, whatever it is, however it is that he brings those people to faith, he does that. That, again, is God's prerogative, but that necessarily limits what the atonement is, is applied to, and it's applied to mm-hmm. those people who have repented and believed in the in the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it does. And we talked about it, um, we've talked about this a little bit, where we talked about uh, chosen, uh, predestination. When we talked yeah, about predestination, I was like, what's the word? There's a word for it. <laughs> we talked about predestination a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, predestination versus free will. It's kind of a overflow of that discussion. Yeah. When we is. were talking about that, God has, God before the foundations of the world determined who was going not determined, or did he determine? Yeah, he determined. Okay, so he determined. I, it's, it's still confusing to me. He <laughs> determined who was going to follow him and who wasn't. Yeah. And then he sets the course of, he sets into action, or into motion, the events that would do, yeah. re, that are required to take place for that person to come to know Jesus and accept his atoning death on the cross for the forgiveness of their sin. Exactly. Exactly. And... And so, you, I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's the, the atonement, and it, what's funny is I'm, I'm looking over here on my bookshelf, and I, there's a there's a book that I have yet to read, and it's called The Extent of the Atonement, and, and it's a 900-page textbook um, that, I, that I have on my list to read, Fun. it's just one of those, it's one of those books where a, a guy, the guy who wrote it, his name's David Allen, he's a fantastic scholar and I disagree with him. He, he comes down in the, in the area, in the camp of unlimited atonement. Mm-hmm. Um, but I appreciate his work in basically laying out the whole case. Yeah. And, and he says, you know, if you end up in limited atonement, that's, that's okay. And that, you know, again, when we get to these doctrines that, that are hard, when we get to these doctrines that we don't necessarily understand, it's okay for somebody to disagree with you. Yeah. You know, if somebody comes up and says, you know, Jesus is not the Messiah, okay, we have a different disagreement at that point. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking about whether we believe the atonement is limited or unlimited, we're really talking about a discrepancy within our own tent. Yeah. You know, we're not talking about being a Muslim versus being a Christian or being a, a Mormon versus being a Christian. We're, we're talking about just something inside of Christianity that we're, that we're debating. And so there needs to be grace. There needs to be mm-hmm. 
uh, understanding of all of these different positions. And and I always, you know, I tell people all the time, regardless of your faith tradition, if you're a, you know, if you're a Reformed or if you're a Catholic or if you're a Protestant or whatever it is, read people who are outside of your faith tradition. Read mm-hmm. people who are going to differ with you. That's why one of the reasons I have this book on my shelf. I'm going to differ with David Allen on the atonement, but I appreciate and I understand all of the work that he has put into that, and I think his point and his point of view is still valid. Right. And so it's worth us having this discussion and talking about these things in a civil <laughs> manner. Yeah. You, because you can, if we can't, yeah. then we're just, you know, we're no better than the world around us. Yeah, you can disagree with somebody on minor details. Yes. And not lose your integrity, not lose your religion, not use, lose your relationship with Jesus. Um, and, and, and what you're talking about here is basically a disagreement on what color to paint the wall. Yes. And, and, and that's where, you know, Baptist churches get a, a bad rap for this. They split over stupid things like that. Like <laughs> the color of the carpet. Color of the carpet. And, I mean, is it important in the moment? Maybe. But in eternally, no. It, is, it, is it important? Yes, it's important for us to understand and to think critically about what the Bible teaches us. Yeah. Yes. That is important. But is it important to the level that we need to fight and bicker in front of a world that's watching us absolutely not exactly it's and, not and it, that's what what kills me about the christian you know christians in general is that they'll get up in arms over some topics but not say a single word about other topics yeah that are <laughs> equally important or more important yeah. you know and you know well, and 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 I'm gonna just, I'm, so just, I'm gonna rabbit trail. I'm gonna rabbit trail here for a I second. feel like tonight is rabbit trail night. So <laughs> we are rabbit trailing a good if bit. You've, if you've made it this far, thank you for sticking it out. But but so here's where here's where I'm gonna rabbit trail for a second. Um, what you just hit on is a very good point. Nobody is gonna care what we have to say about the atonement, and and. The, the Jesus Christ being the way, the truth, and the life. That's what John 14, 6 tells us. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They're not going to care about that if they don't see us uh, caring about other things. Okay? Yeah. Um, and, and, and this is where, you know, the, the charge is hypocrisy. Now, do I believe that we're being hypocritical? No, I don't believe we're being hip- hypocritical. I think that's an easy way to try to shut somebody down. So it's it's not it's not intellectually honest. It's just a, a quick you know you can lob the bomb out there and and go ha ha I do, I owned you and 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 leave. And so if we but but if we want to take away these grenades that people can lob at us, then we need to start thinking critically about this. We need mm-hmm. to think critically about what it means to be. Um, to believe in definite redemption or not believe in definite redemption or to be a, what's called, Packer calls it a particularist, a reformed mm-hmm. particularist. Um, what does what does that actually mean? Can you defend that? Do you understand it? Do you understand what the people who wrote about it two or three hundred years ago meant? Yeah. Um, but nobody, and, and the example that I always give to people is nobody wants to hear what a pro-lifer has to say on abortion when they look at that pro-lifers Facebook feed and it's full of, you know, kick all of the immigrants out because you're pro-life for one area, but you're not very pro-life in yeah. another area, Yeah, you know, and, and I, you know, that, that is a, that's a very hot topic issue. And, and both, both and, of those are, yeah. But, but if you're going to say, you know, I want to defend life here, but because this other person broke the law, they're not worth defending then you're not consistent in your defense of life. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand they broke the law and understand there has to be a penalty for that, but have a little bit of compassion. Yeah. Have a little bit, you know, you've been shown a pretty fair amount of grace. Have a little bit of grace. Yeah. It's, Figure out something. Yeah. Especially in, in the United States where we are, we are so coddled. We're so like, I feel like oh, yeah. we're very entitled. We're a very entitled culture, 
and when we find out someone in someone is an illegal immigrant or whatever, we we're like, well, why would why would anyone choose to do that? They obviously need to go back to where they came from. Yeah. And we don't understand that that person came from a house of eight kids and they never had they never had enough food and they didn't yeah. weren't able to go to school and didn't know if they were going to have power and they came to the United States looking for a better better life. And yeah. I totally respect people who are willing to leave their home and leave their families to seek out a better life for themselves so they can provide for their family. Like, yeah. I, I well, totally and, respect that. And... But, you've also got to... You know, there there's guidelines to how that is yeah. accomplished. Well, my, my favorite is when they go, well, you know, we have amnesty laws. And I'm like, you're right, we do have amnesty laws. Now, tell me what the amnesty laws are for France. And they're like, well, I don't know the amnesty laws for France. I'm like, exactly. Yeah. Most people who come to our borders don't know our amnesty laws. Mm-hmm. They just know if I get there, there's a chance. Yeah. So what we need, do we need a wall? I'm okay with building a wall. Mm-hmm. But do we also need to have some gates in that wall? Mm. I think Revelation paints a pretty clear picture of that. Yeah. You know, there's there's plenty of gates for people to come in. Mm-hmm. There's ways and opportunities for people to be able to get inside the gate. Yeah. And, and when you talk about, to bring all of this back to atonement, when you talk about that with atonement, the way that has been provided, it, though it is a narrow gate, it's a very, very wide gate. Mm-hmm. Because all it requires is belief and trust in the person and work of Jesus, mm-hmm. and to commit your life to Him, and to do the things that are taught in Scripture. Yeah, you know, and and maybe that's too hard for people. Okay, that's too hard for you. Then then uh, then it's eternal damnation. I'm you know I'm sorry that it's that clear cut, but that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And so so. You know, when we talk about redemption and we talk about definite redemption or particular redemption, we're not saying that that, that God is picking a certain amount of people and, and, and if you want to get in, <clears throat> but you're not in this group, too bad. No. Particular redemption means that God has ordained the means for the people who will accept him, mm-hmm. and those people will come to Christ, and, and, and it really follows along with the whole... Uh, what's called the the whole tulip? Uh, oh, what's the word? And it's not anachronism. What do you call? It? Oh, it's not alliteration. There's an a word that I'm trying to think of, and I can't think of it right now. Where you use letters? So you acronym. Use, acronym. Yeah, it is an acronym. So you have this acronym of tulip, um, and you have so T is for total depravity, and the U, the L, and the I are the ones that really cause problems anyway. So the U is the unconditional election. Which, which simply means that not out of anything in us, God chose us, but simply because of him and who he is and in his justice and his for his glory, he chose us. Uh, L is limited atonement. We discussed that tonight. Why uh, I believe that it has to be a limited atonement. Mm-hmm. And then the I is the irresistible grace. So that's the means through which God brings people to salvation. Mm-hmm. And and again, it's, irresistible grace does not mean that, that there's people who are longing to seek after God, and, and God says, no, I'm not going to let you seek after me. Mm-hmm. But our nature in and of itself is so broken that when it is truly and 100% confronted by the drawing of the Holy Spirit, like John 6 teaches us, the drawing of the Holy Spirit, that person has no choice but to say, woe is me, I am broken, mm-hmm. and I need to respond. Right. And that is the person that they're talking about in John 10, where you say, the chef the shepherd speaks and the sheep know the shepherd's voice and they respond to the shepherd. Exactly. What was so the there P? there you go. You didn't say the P. Uh, P. P is the perseverance of saints. Those who, those who are sheep of the shepherd uh, will persevere. He will hold them fast till the end. Which, which brings up a great hymn uh, that's, that's kind of gotten popular over the last, last little bit called He Will Hold Me Fast. It's a great song. You should look it up. Hey, and, I didn't, and I didn't bring up Shiloh this time. Oh, but I just did. Dang it. It's all right. <laughs> so, but there, have we, have we handled that? I think, I think we might, we rabbit trailed a lot. I don't know if we handled it or not. Well, if you have any questions about any of that, feel free to 
reach out to us. Um, we'd love to have some discussion with you yep. about any and all of the topics that we've talked about so far on the Beers Bible podcast. Um, Rick, if they wanted to get a hold of us somehow, how would they go about doing that? You can get a hold of us by picking up the phone and dialing 867-5309. Janet, Janet, who <laughs> can I turn to? Wow. No, we, do, we do not have cell phones. Well, we do have cell phones, but we're not giving out our cell phone numbers. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at beers and Bible P1. And you can find us on Facebook at beers and Bible podcast. And then email us at beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. All of it is spelled out beers and Bible podcast. And that's the ways that you can get in touch with us. Good deal. Up with some theology questions. Yeah. One day we'll finish concise theology. So if you have any topics, topics. you'd like for us to talk about one day, um, let us know. And we'll consider any and all suggestions. Yes, we will. We kind of looked ahead a little bit. Looks like we'll finish sometime in 2020 with concise theology. That's the goal. That's the plan. <clears throat> I hope so. And then we just got to figure Maybe we should start doing interview shows. That would be fun. Who would we interview? Um, obviously, people who will not tell who we are. I'm maybe maybe we could get the worship leader props guy to come on. Because he, he knows the struggle. That dude is too big for our britches. He is definitely too big for our britches. I wonder if he would drink beer with us. Which one? Which one? Are you talking about uh, either of them? Either of them? Either of them. We can reach out to them and say, hey. That would be fun. So, so we're a podcast. We can, let's reach out to them so they can shoot us down. <laughs> okay, so anyway, tonight, the official Rabbit Trail podcast of the Beers and Bible podcast. Yes. <clears throat> where we did discuss definite redemption and sacrifice of Jesus. Yes. And we talked about the beers that we have. Voodoo. Voodoo was on the on tap tonight, which is kind of appropriate that Voodoo comes up on Mardi Gras night. Yeah, unfortunately, this so, this podcast will release uh, ten days from now, two, so two weeks after Mardi Gras. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, so if you're in Lent, sorry. <laughs> Hope you didn't give up beer for Lent. <laughs> I mean, who would do that, honestly? Uh, a Catholic. Uh, oh, yes, I know. All right, so until next time. Have a good week. Have a good week. We'll see you, talk to you, hear from you. Peace out. Later. You enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible. Please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast.